0: Withered antinous, dandies with plump faces, ye varnished cadavers, and gray love laces, ye go to lands unknown, and void of breath, drawn by the rumor of the Dance of Death. The Dance of Death by Charles Baudelaire One thing that unites the human race is the love of music. Despite many theories, The reason why music causes such a rush of dopamine in our brains is ultimately unknown to science. Dance is the physical expression of the emotions that music causes within us. We can all agree that dance is a happy thing, but what happens if you can't stop? What if you danced yourself to death? Tonight, we cover the dancing plague on this manic minisode of Snipe Hunt. Hunt, your frightening folklore podcast, starts now. I'm your host, Darren Young. On these minisodes, I cover topics that don't seem to have quite enough content to do a full episode on, and I also try to go for a more serious tone. But if the opportunity for a joke breaks out, I might just get infected. My regular co-host Gary does not typically join me for these, but he will be back for the next full episode. And like all episodes, Mispronunciation is guaranteed. Alright, now let's waltz into tonight's subject. Tonight we are discussing the dancing plague, also known as dancing mania, choreomania, St. John's dance, and St. Vitus's dance. The term mania is most accurate for describing the subject, but dancing plague sounds the coolest. So what was the dancing plague? Well, this mania was certainly not an isolated incident, but it affected thousands of people across several centuries. We will be talking about at least two of these outbreaks tonight. As much as I don't enjoy taking straight from Wikipedia, it offers the best definition on this subject. Quote, Dancing mania was a social phenomenon that occurred primarily in mainland Europe between the 14th and 17th centuries. It involved groups of people dancing erratically, sometimes thousands at a time. The mania affected men, women, and children who danced until they collapsed from exhaustion. One of the first major outbreaks was in Aachen, I believe that's how you pronounce it, in the Holy Roman Empire in 1374, and quickly spread throughout Europe. One notable outbreak occurred in Strasbourg in 1518, also in the Holy Roman Empire. That excerpt also included the two cases we will be discussing in this mini-sode. First, let's travel back in time to 1374 to Aachen, Germany, also referred to as... Oh boy, it's a friend's name. aix la chapelle This city, which borders modern-day Germany, Belgium, and the Netherlands, was the home of one of the earliest cases of this strange phenomenon. On the heels of the devastating Black Death pandemic, a new plague of sorts was born. In the town of Aachen, groups of men and women seemed to be sharing a common delusion. The groups had started holding hands in circles and dancing in the streets. It appeared as though as they had lost control of their senses and danced for hours upon hours to no music until they collapsed from exhaustion, only to start up again in the next attack. The delirious dancers ignored all that was around them. They only focused on the dancing, and the visions that they were experiencing. Some called out the name of spirits they were supposedly conjuring. Others had visions of heaven, and the savior seated upon his divine throne. Eventually, these fits often started with more physical symptoms. The afflicted would first fall to the ground, panting for breath. They would then foam at the mouth, and they would rise up and start to dance with strange bodily movements. Eventually the plague spread to other towns in the neighboring countries of Belgium and the Netherlands. Those who were unaffected looked on in amazement and horror at their dancing neighbors, whose affliction was surely the work of something evil. Priests had begun to attempt to exorcise the moving masses, hoping to drive out the cause of this dancing. The dancers eventually developed strange aversions, such as a severe dislike of pointed shoes or even the color red. Time seemed to be the only cure. After almost a year of this prancing pandemic, it ended, and the formerly afflicted, who had abandoned their duties and were seemingly forced into a frenzy, went back to their normal lives. Now there were cases of this foxtrotting phenomenon before and after this particular outbreak, so it was nothing new or isolated. Let's move on to the most famous case, the Dancing Plague of 1518. It started on July 14th of 1518 in the city of Strasbourg-Alsace, what is now modern-day France, in the Kingdom of the Holy Roman Empire, A woman named Frau Trofea had started dancing in the street outside of her home. There was no music, nor any known trigger. She had simply begun to dance. She danced for hours, ignoring her husband's pleas for her to stop. It was well after nightfall before she collapsed in exhaustion. The next morning she was soon back on her strutting feet and dancing again. She had neither food nor water in all this time. By the third day of her marching madness, Trofea had the whole town watching her. After four to six days, she still showed no signs of stopping. And so, the authorities intervened. They loaded the whirling woman into a wagon, which carried her 30 miles away to the town of Severn. It was hoped that she might be cured at the shrine of St. Vitus, which was located in the town. But this was only the beginning. Some of the townspeople had begun to mimic Trofea. Others joined in, and soon over 30 townspeople were tumbling and twirling, possessed by a mania that no one could stop. More and more people were being infected, and the town council were desperate to stop it. The clergy thought the madness was a punishment from St. Vitus, the patron saint of dance. The physicians of Strasbourg disagreed, and said it was a quote, natural disease which comes from overheated blood. The usual cure in those days for a blood malady would be to bleed the victim to release the bad blood. But instead the doctors cited precedents of past cases of choriomania and declared that the afflicted must dance it off. In the same way an iron fisted parent might make their child smoke a whole pack after being caught with a cigarette. The local physicians believed that the townspeople must dance until they were sick of dancing. Guild halls were ordered to transform their spaces into dance floors. Platforms were built in the markets and musicians were encouraged to perform to encourage the afflicted to dance until the mania wore off. Unfortunately, this plan backfired. The dancing spaces and the upbeat music caused even more people to be drawn into the frolicking frenzy. Within a month, over 400 people had joined into the terrible tango of a vengeful St. Vitus. Chronicles kept accounts of the madness. Quote, Many hundreds in Strasbourg began to dance and hop, women and men in the public market, in alleys and streets, day and night, and many of them ate nothing. Until at last the sickness left them, this affliction was called St. Vitus's Dance. End quote. A chronicle from 1636 highlighted the lethality of the phenomenon. Quote, in the year 1518 AD, there occurred among men a remarkable and terrible disease called St. Vitus's Dance, in which men in their madness began to dance day and night until finally they fell down unconscious and succumbed to death. End quote. The city council then ordered the stages to be torn down and prohibited any music or dancing in the city until at least September. Dancing was limited only to weddings and celebrations of first mass within the privacy of homes only. Even then, they were only allowed to dance to stringed instruments. Musicians were strictly prohibited from playing tambourines or drums of any kind. The hundreds of victims like Frau Trofea, were soon carted off to the town of Severn, to hopefully be granted forgiveness at the shrine of St. Vitus in a curious ritual. Priests would situate the still convulsing choreomaniacs under a carving of St. Vitus. They placed crosses in the hands of the afflicted, as well as red shoes on their feet. They then wetted the red shoes with holy water and painted crosses on them with consecrated oil, all while burning incense and chanting in Latin. This ritual seemed to finally be the cure for the dancing mania, and soon it had completely ended. The plague lasted over a month, and allegedly hundreds of people had danced themselves to death, although the exact death toll is unknown. Before we move on to theories, I have one more short case that I'd like to discuss. A condition now referred to as Tarantism was described as early as the 11th century, although its greatest impact was in the 16th and 17th centuries in southern Italy. Victims were experiencing extreme restlessness and excitability and the hysterical desire to move about. All this supposedly caused by the bite of a spider, then known as the tarantula tarantula nowadays refers to a completely different class of spider. The tarantula referred to in this case is now classified in the wolf spider family. Not that you cared, but the study of bugs in particular used to be a passion of mine. Because I'm a nerd. Anyway, back to tarantism. It was believed that victims must engage in a dancing frenzy in order to dance out the spider venom and prevent death. This treatment developed a kind of dance called the Tarantella, the name of which is actually derived from the Italian province of Taranto, and actually has nothing to do with the spider, despite the similar sounding name. There is no scientific credibility to these symptoms being caused by a spider bite, and so it is now categorized as a temporary psychological condition which may have led to fits of dancing mania. Now that we know about the strange cases of dancing mania, let's look for a cause. Of course, we can't talk about strange medieval happenings without bringing up ergot. Ergot is a fungus that grows on damp, rye grains. The consumption of this mold will cause a variety of symptoms including hallucinations, irrational behavior, convulsions, and even death. Other symptoms include loss of muscle strength, uterine contractions, nausea, fever, seizures, vomiting, and unconsciousness. Ergotism also causes the constriction of blood flow to the hands and feet, causing them to become gangrenous and eventually rot off. Victims of gangrenous ergotism felt as though they were burning alive. Ergotism was known as St. Anthony's Fire in the Middle Ages. St. Anthony was famous for having many visions of the devil. This was what probably connected St. Anthony's name to the disease that caused hallucinations. Ergotism has also been connected to literal witch hunts throughout history and belief in witchcraft in general, such in the case of the Salem Witch Trials. So how likely is this disease as a candidate for the cause of the dancing plague? Hallucinations, irrational behavior, and convulsions are all symptoms that lend themselves well to dancing mania. There is one problem with this theory. Ergotism severely restricts blood flow to the extremities. It is highly unlikely that anyone poisoned with ergot would be able to dance for days. Perhaps a more favorable explanation for this is a psychological phenomenon called mass hysteria not to be confused with a metal band of the same name. Also referred to as a mass psychogenic illness, it is defined as, quote, the rapid spread of illness signs and symptoms affecting members of a cohesive group originating from a nervous system disturbance involving excitation, loss, or alteration of function, whereby physical complaints that are exhibited unconsciously have no corresponding organic etiology. That definition is by the British Journal of Psychiatry. Dictionary.com puts it into simpler terms. Quote, A condition affecting a group of persons characterized by excitement or anxiety, irrational behavior or beliefs, or inexplicable symptoms of illness. Now, I'm not a psychologist, and if you are, feel free to correct me. But to me, it basically sounds like this is triggered by a psychological stressor. A stressor, of course, being an event, experience, or environmental stimulus that causes stress in an individual. The stressor for the townspeople in this case being the unceasing dancing of Frau Trofea who might have been responding to some psychological stress of her own. The stressor in Tarantism being the fear of dying from a spider bite and the stressors in the Aachen case just being the low quality of life at the time as well as dealing with the aftermath of the Black Plague. Keep in mind that these are all assumptions on my part. Also, a psychological illness would explain strange aversions like the color red or the ritual at St. Vitus's Shrine actually working to cure the plague. Aiding mass hysteria is the condition of mob mentality or herd mentality. The definition of this condition is best summarized by Professor Tamara Avant, quote. When people are part of a group, they often experience de-individuation or loss of self-awareness. When people de-individuate, they are less likely to follow normal restraints and inhibitions and are more likely to lose their sense of individual identity. Groups can generate a sense of emotional excitement, which can lead to the provocation of behaviors that a person would not typically engage in if alone. Think about the last sporting event or concert you attended. It is unlikely that you would have been yelling or singing the way you were if you were the only person doing it. The group seems to make some behaviors acceptable that would not be acceptable otherwise. End quote. Author H. C. Eric Middlefort said in his book, A History of Madness, in 16th Century Germany, quote, Madnesses of the past are not petrified entities that can be plucked unchanged from their niches and placed under our modern microscopes. They appear, perhaps, more like jellyfish that collapse and dry up when they are removed from the ambient seawater. End quote. Meaning we should not take these manias out of the context of the time and only look at the event and ignore the society around it. According to the essay, The Dancing Plague of 1518, by Ned Pinet Rea, the primary source for this episode, quote, the Strasbourg poor were primed for an epidemic of hysterical dancing. First of all, there was a precedent. Every European dancing plague between 1374 and 1518 had occurred near Strasbourg, along the western edge of the Holy Roman Empire. Then there were the prevailing conditions. In 1518, a string of bad harvests, political instability, and the arrival of syphilis had induced anguish, extreme even by early modern standards. This suffering manifested as hysterical dancing, because the citizens believed it could. People can be extraordinarily suggestible, and a firm conviction in the vengefulness of St. Vitus was enough for it to be visited upon them. End quote. So as far as the mass hysteria theory, probably the most likely theory out there, the troubling times as well as past events and religious belief had all played a part in triggering this mania. In fact, religious belief seemed to play a part in all of these manias from the very beginning. I have one last incident for you, and I have saved the very first one for last. The first known case that I was able to find took place in nearby... Oh man... Kolbik, Germany, that's probably nowhere near how it's pronounced, but that's what we're going to get, in the year 1021 on Christmas Eve. A group of 18 people were partying way too hard outside the local church, to the point where the priest could not perform mass over their racket. The priest ordered the rabble-rousers to cease the rabble-rousing, but they would not. The enraged clergymen then cursed them to dance and wail for an entire year, and the curse allegedly worked. The group continued to dance and dance until they were finally saved by two bishops. Four of them died from exhaustion and some of the survivors lived out the rest of their lives with shaky limbs. All of these events are clearly strange. Even stranger, there are far more incidents than what I have included here with that we'll one step out of this sode. These dancing manias are an intriguing part of European history, and I have no doubt that they all happened. Although that last one almost seemed like a cautionary tale, one meant to teach others to respect mass and the church. If you like the podcast, please leave a rating and tell your friends about us. We are a small podcast that is really trying to grow. After all, the more the merrier. If you have a question, comment, or a suggestion for a future episode, please give us a shout on social media or email us at snipehuntpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you have ever experienced something similar to Dancing Mania, tell us your story. We would love to feature it in our Encounter series. Big shout out to my co-host Gary. I will see you on the next full episode. During the current events of this episode's release, It is easy to see how a large group of people can get caught up in a panic. But as long as we don't believe that manic dancing is a cure for anything, we should be just fine. It seems that in the past, dancing has both been a blessing and a curse. An expression of celebration and an expression of extreme stress. Don't get swept up in the madness, as it will only result in swollen, bloody feet and severe exhaustion. But if you do decide to dance your troubles away, just do it in moderation. Otherwise, you might perform the dance of death for this frightening folklore. Once again, we want to thank you for listening to Snipe Hunt. Your listening has been noted and will be reported to the proper authorities. All audio used was done so under the protection of fair use. Logo design is by Ethan Rothfuss. The music you heard in this episode was composed by Mayu and Nature World 1986. We'll continue to search for the unexplained and we'll hopefully see you on the next hunt.